wonderful job. We, we are so appreciative of our... Praise the Lord. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Jesus is the way. Amen. Do you have your Bibles with you today, this morning? If you do, turn with me to the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, just find the first book and turn right, okay? And we're going to Exodus, the 14th chapter. I'm going to be reading some verses from chapter 14 and from chapter 15 of the book of Exodus. They'll be putting the scriptures up on the screen today, so praise the Lord. So you can follow along with us. The Word of God is so important to our hearts and lives, and so uh, I want to do my best today with the help of the Lord to encourage you with uh, uh, some of the Word of God, all right? Praise God. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning for a few moments on when your back's against the wall. What do we do when, the, when our back's against the wall and when there doesn't seem to be a way out? of our situation or circumstance. The, the new song they did this morning talked a little bit about that, uh, about believing God and the power of the name of Jesus and what to do when our backs are against the wall. Exodus, familiar, familiar story and a familiar passage of Scripture, chapter number 14 and I'm going to read the last three verses in chapter 14, beginning with verse 29. It says this, But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Chapter 15, verse 1, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, Sing unto the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he is cast into the sea. 
His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom as a stone. Praise God. Somebody said one time that the part of the Red Sea where the children of Israel crossed was only ankle deep. Trying to explain away the miracle, but if that's the case, there's even a greater miracle because God covered a whole army of Pharaoh's host and chariots in ankle-deep water, drowned them in ankle-deep water. Amen. You cannot dispute the Word of God. It is true. Amen. Your right hand, verse 6, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath, and it consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. That's what the devil, the enemy, said he would do. But verse 10 says, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Jump over across there to verse 20. Then Miriam the prophetess The sister of Aaron took the timbrel or the tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Oh, I love this particular story. In Exodus 12, 13, 14, and 15, I love this. Such a blessing to our hearts. But we see here, of course, it's the story of God delivering the people of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. He set them free, delivered them, and they all came out. Three million plus strong. Canaan came out of some 400 years of slavery delivered by the blood of the slain lamb. God brought them out and God led them to a place here by the Red Sea. And I just want to make mention of this is that the children of Israel weren't lost. They weren't just wandering around, you know, willy-nilly not knowing what to do, but God directed them to the very place they were here in Exodus chapter 14. God led them there and had Moses to lead them there and and told them to encamp right at this very spot where they are. But Israel finds themselves here in a hopeless and a desperate situation. Because Pharaoh had decided that he wanted, he made a mistake in letting the people of Israel go from their bondage. And he was going to go and he brought his armies, got his armies together, his, his strongest soldiers, his chariots, 600 iron chariots to go after the people of God and to bring them back into slavery. 
And here they are encamped by the Red Sea. There's a mountains range on either side, and they're kind of in a dead-end spot. The Red Sea's in front of them, and uh, uh, the mountains on either side. And Pharaoh, here with his army and his iron chariots, are closing in fast behind them. And so we find God's people in a very precarious situation. And we find them in a place where they are hopelessly trapped. I don't know if anybody's ever felt like you've been there or not. But here they are seemingly sitting ducks just waiting to be cut down by the enemy. And there's no way out. Their backs are against the wall. Amen. Their backs are against the wall. And so it seems like, what else do you do when you're in a situation like that? Hey, it's panic time. (laughs) It's time to panic. We don't know what to do. I mean, there's the Red Sea. We we, We can't go anywhere. They're trapped and they can't escape. It seems to be no escape. The men were shaking with fear. The women and the children, I'm sure, were weeping. Families and relatives had got together and huddled together, and they were crying out, well, it's all over. And here was their cry. They first cried to the Lord, but then they cried out to Moses, and they said, well, this is it. This is the end. We're done for. It's his. We're history. We, we, we can't get out of this. And then they accused Moses. And they said, why in the world did you bring us here and to die in the wilderness? We told you, Moses, we told you in Egypt to leave us alone. We didn't want to get out of Egypt. We wanted to stay here. But you wouldn't have it any other way. We would have been better off if we would have stayed in Egypt and just served the Egyptians. Egyptians, instead of getting in the mess we're in now, now we're all going to die. And that's exactly what it looked like was going to happen. No one there. That day in Israel, when they looked at the situation that they were facing, no one there had any idea, probably including Moses as well, had no idea of what a great deliverance that God was getting ready to perform and bring into their lives. They had no idea that God was getting ready to do one of the greatest and mightiest miracles that he had ever done and that they had ever seen that when their back was against the wall God was getting ready to turn the situation around and bring them out praise God God does that can I get an amen Moses prayed and the Lord told Moses he he told Moses he said listen why are you calling on me here's what you need to do Don't be afraid. Just stand still, Moses, and see the salvation of the Lord because the Egyptians that you see today, you're not going to see them anymore forever. The Lord is going to fight for you. Can I tell, oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen? When God is fighting for you, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul said, if God be for us, 
who can be against us? And when God is fighting for you and you got the Lord on your side, it matters not if there's 600 iron chariots of the Egyptians coming after you and Pharaoh with all of his hosts. When God is on your side and the Lord is fighting your battles, I'm telling you what, that is going to be total victory in your life. Amen, I said that will be total victory. He said, don't be afraid. These Egyptians that you see today, it's the last time you're going to see them. Uh, they're, they're, they're not going to bother you anymore. The Lord's going to fight for you. And Moses, just take the rod of God and stretch that rod out over the sea. And when he did, when he did, he obeyed the Lord. And the Bible said that God sent a great east wind and parted the waters and the people walked through on dry ground. The Bible said that it was a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other side. The scripture actually indicates that the waters congealed, that they just they, they parted by that east wind, and it had to be a wide enough area for these people to 3,000 or 3 million of them, um, men and women and children, to march across on dry ground. God even dried up the bed, and they didn't even have to get their sandals muddy. Praise God. He dried up the ground, and they marched over on dry land and when Pharaoh when Pharaoh and his army tried to follow and pursue them into the Red Sea Israel got on the other side and the Lord told Moses stretch your rod out again over the waters and these Egyptians that you see you ain't going to see them no more God over the waters those walls of water came back in on top of the Egyptian army and they were all drowned there in the Red Sea and what a sight what a sight that must have been I'm going to ask the Lord if he'll show me a replay of that when we get to heaven I want to see the video on that come on somebody hallelujah what a sight that must have been somebody would say do you believe brother Rick do you really believe that actually happened you better believe I believe that actually happened. If the Bible said it happened, then it happened. If the Word of God said it happened, I believe it just like the Bible said. Come on, somebody. Amen. Me and Brother Jim was kind of interested. He brought it to my attention here a while back. And I'd never really paid any much attention to it. But most of your Bibles, you know, have an atlas or some Bible maps in the back of the Bibles. And if you'll notice, most all of the Bibles don't show when they... Sh there'll be a map there on the Exodus and the route that the children of Israel took from Egypt and into Sinai and to that area. And most all the maps show them going around, skirting around the Red Sea. None of them, I think I saw one, and I don't remember whose that was, that showed the trail going through the Red Sea. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't go around the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea. When their backs were against the wall, God opened up the Red Sea. God made a way where there was no way. He made a way out when there didn't seem to be a way out. He made a way out when they couldn't get out themselves. And 
that's what God is looking for today for you and I when we get in that place where we don't have a way out, when we don't have an answer to our dilemma, God is just looking for us to put our trust and our faith and our belief and our confidence in Him and to believe God to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. It's not something that we can figure out ourselves. God has a way of doing things that will astonish us. Hallelujah! That will astonish us just like He did here. And you may be facing a Red Sea situation in your life today. You may be ha- maybe have your back up against the wall and not know which way to turn or what to do. And the devil may be closing in on you and it may look like that there's no way out. But I want to try to encourage you just a little bit this morning and let you know that it's not over until it's over. And as long as you're on the Lord's side, God will always have the final say in the lives of his people and in the lives of his children. Amen. Hallelujah. God looked back or God's people looked back from the other side. They saw the enemy destroyed. They saw them like ten soldiers just floating around there and washing up on the shore, on the seashore. And the Bible said that they saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. They saw those taskmasters and those soldiers and those, those, those cruel, that cruel enemy that had tormented them for so long. They saw them washing up on the shore of the Red Sea and they're not able to hurt them anymore. That finally dawns on them what God has done and how God has miraculously delivered them and spared them. And listen, when they realize that God had delivered them from an impossible situation. The Bible tells us there in Exodus 15 that a song began to go up and praise began to go up. And then the Bible said, then sang Moses and the children of Israel. And that song that they sang, I read a part of it to you this morning. And it's, it's uh, recorded there in that 15th chapter of Exodus. But that song, that whole 15th chapter down through verse 21 is a song of victory and triumph that they sang there on that side, on the east side of the Red Sea. They were singing a song of victory and praise, which they should have been doing. How many would agree with that? God had just given it. Don't you think, don't you believe that when God would you know, bring you out of an impossible situation that you ought to praise the Lord? Wouldn't you think you ought to be singing? Wouldn't you think you ought to be like Miriam, my Lord, and, and, and those ladies and, and grab a tambourine and start playing and singing and rejoicing and shouting? I mean, there was a, there was a camp meeting service that was going on there on that eastern side of the Red Sea. And there should have been, there ought to have been a, a camp meeting going on. They were singing a song of praise. They were singing. 
singing the right song, but you know the only problem with it? The song that they sang on the victory side of the Red Sea should have been, come on somebody, oh, I, I got to get you with me here, should have been the song that they were singing on the west bank of the Red Sea when the enemy was closing in. They had saw the miracles in Egypt. They knew what a powerful God they were serving. They were singing the right song, okay, but they just singing it on the wrong side. They should have been singing it when the enemy was closing in. Instead of complaining and griping and mumbling and moaning, they ought to have been praising the Lord and shouting the victory even when their backs were up against the wall. Oh, Brother Rick, you're telling me something that ain't easy to do. Well, nobody ever said it'd be easy. I'm just telling you this is what the Bible says would be the right thing to do. Are you with me? They were singing that victory song, but they sing it on the side of victory, which, yes, that's good. They should have. But they weren't singing that song on the side of testing. And that's the, the, the thought that I want you to get today is that there are, there are two sides to trials and tests. Anybody ever go through trials? Anybody ever face a trial or a test? Amen. I heard a guy say one time, boy, if you really get, you, you really get in the Word and, and you really get enough faith that you won't ever have any more trouble. I don't know where he got that because that isn't in the Bible. Amen. The, uh, we're we're going to have some troubles. There are some times of testing that we all have. But there are, there are two sides to trials and tests. There's the testing side and then there's the breakthrough side. Amen. You, you know, when we go through times of testing, we're believing God for the breakthrough. We're believing God for the victory. Amen. We're believing God that when we come through this test, and that's, that's the thing that God wants us to do is to come through the test, not, not, not die in the test, not give up in the test, not throw in the towel, but come through to the other side. But when we're, we're, we're going through the time of testing, we're waiting and believing God for the breakthrough. And it's when we come through the test and get on the other side of the test. What was it somebody said? I don't know who said some of these things. I just remember hearing them, but they sound good. That uh, you, you know, you have to go through a test or have a test before you can have a testimony. Amen? you got to have a test before you have a testimony. And a testimony is, is, is that side, that breakthrough side, that, that side of victory when we come through the time of test and we come through the time of trial and uh, we have a victory march and a Jericho march and a time of praising God. But see, there's two sides. There's the west side of the Red Sea, and that's a side of hopelessness. That's a side of darkness. And then there's the east side of the Red Sea, which is a side of victory and a side of deliverance. And let me tell you something this morning. 
Abundant Life Church, and that is this, anyone, anybody can sing and praise and shake the tambourine and shout and worship after the testing on the victory side. It really doesn't take a lot of faith to do that, but it is on the testing side where we're facing the enemy and our backs are against the wall. That is when the Lord wants us to sing and to praise him. And that, folks, is where our faith is demonstrated. Are you listening to me? That's where we make known that our faith, that we have faith and confidence in God. If you look at this text here in this passage of Scripture, you see the scene here after their victory where they're shaking those tambourines and they're praising God and they're singing and shouting. And they made this statement there in Exodus 15. They said, oh man, when everybody, when all of our enemies hear what God has done, their sorrow is going to take a hold of those in Philistia. The chiefs of Edom are going to be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab are going to be trembling. The inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. In other words, they were saying, when all of our enemies hear about what the Lord has done for us, they're going to be shaken in their boots. We don't have to be afraid of nobody. We can whoop anybody. And I'm going to tell you what, the word of this miracle did get around to the Canaanites. Rahab told about it when they finally got there. Forty years later, the enemy was still talking about what God had done for the children of Israel at the Red Sea. But they're talking big talk. They felt so secure. They felt so powerful. They felt so invincible. But they weren't talking like that on the testing side of the Red Sea. They only talked like that when the breakthrough came. Y'all looking at me funny today. But that's what you do when your back's against the wall is praise him and sing to him and worship the Lord and talk about how big God is when you're facing the enemy coming against you. Woo, yeah, you plenty of time for shouting when the victory comes and the breakthrough comes. But God, listen to me, church. God wants to hear some shouting on the west side of the Red Sea when your back's against the wall. He's the one. Job said that gives us songs in the night. It was when Paul and Silas were in jail, when they were locked up, when their backs were bleeding, when they had no hope of escaping that prison. It was there on the temptation and the testing side that at midnight, Paul and Silas, in the middle of their trial, prayed and sang. They started singing at the midnight hour and praising God in the midst of their trouble and God brought them through come on somebody we got to learn how to praise him on the testing side of the Red Sea whoo hallelujah the greatest need today that we have that I believe in the church and among believers is to sing that song, to be able to sing that song of deliverance and make those declarations of victory and deliverance when we're facing 
the enemy and when our backs are against the wall. I mentioned that this morning that we need to come to that place, every one of us, where we make those declarations of faith in who God is, what God is, who He is to you, who He is to me. Amen? Praise God for for Him being a deliverer. Everything that I read to you from this 15th chapter of Exodus, they were talking about God being a man of war. Let Let me just go back over a few of those things. Here was the song they sang. Let me touch on a few, few, few of the verses and the words of the song of victory that they were singing. They said, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed glory, gloriously. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Hallelujah. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against us. Praise God. That's the kind of talk that we need to be talking when, we're, when our backs are against the wall and when we're facing the, the, the impossible situation in our life. We need to be in that place. And Israel wasn't there at that time. And it took them a long time to get there. I don't know that they ever did get there. Amen. But but God tried to teach them that lesson over and over and over again. To praise him. To believe him. To declare who he was in the face of the enemy. In the face of the adversary. In the face of an impossible situation. The name of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is greater than any other name. And the power of God is greater than any other power. And you You've got him with you, and you've got him on your side. And I'm going to tell you, he did not bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage to let Pharaoh destroy them at the Red Sea. And I'm here to tell you this today. God didn't bring you out of the world and out of sin and out of your mess to bring you to a place where he's going to let the enemy destroy your life. He is with you today. He's for you today. And he's saying, believe me today when your back's against the wall, and I will bring you through that situation. Brother Rick is believing God for his healing. We're believing with him. He's singing on the on the east side of that Red Sea. But I'm telling you, Brother Rick, I believe that it's about ready to open up and we're coming through on the other side. Can somebody shout amen in this church today? Hallelujah. See, God has a purpose in allowing us to come into crisis situations. I need to say that again. I said God has a purpose for allowing us to come into crisis situations. And it's to test us and to test our faith. And it's to build a foundation of trust, a foundation of trust in Him. God wants us to trust Him and to believe in Him with all of our heart. We studied that a couple of weeks ago in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. And that's, that's why God allows us to be tested. Now the Lord does not tempt us to sin. Is anybody still here? God doesn't tempt us to sin. The Bible says in James chapter 1, 
that God does not tempt us to sin. He does not entice us to evil. But God does allow us to be tested and to go through times of testing and even lead us as he did the children of Israel. He actually led them to this place to show his power, my Lord, to show and demonstrate his power in their lives. God already knew. Listen, when he led them there, God wasn't up in heaven saying, oh my, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have got them in such a mess. Why, Pharaoh's coming after them now. What in the world will we do? No, before God ever led them to that place, he had already told Moses, Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. He's going to come after you all, but I'm going to get glory over him. God brought them to that very place to show his power in their lives. God allowed us to come into places in positions sometimes just so he can show his power to us but he wants us to believe him and to trust him and to have faith in his delivering power right praise God that's that's the purpose in our trials every crisis situation that we face is an opportunity to learn To trust the Lord. Your trial, as I said, your test can become your testimony. So what Israel should have done when their backs were against the wall, what Israel should have done there at the Red Sea, what they did not do, what they should have done was they should have remembered the miracles that God had performed in Egypt. And Had they done that, if they would have done that, then that would have reminded them of how mighty God was. And then they could have praised him with the same song that they sang on the other side of the sea. Hallelujah. See, listen to me, saints. And here's the danger. We all face this. When you and I forget the promises of God, we start to imagine the worst possible scenario that's what happens isn't it that's the way the human mind works we're kindly programmed that way that when when we get a negative or a bad report you know we forget the promises of God we forget the power of God and we begin to imagine the worst situation that can happen but God's wanting us to remember they should have remembered what God had done in Egypt they should have remembered the miracles that God had performed in Egypt if they would have done that when their backs was against the wall maybe they would have praised the Lord for his power there oh you know well okay we're going to die but praise God you're awesome God we're going to die praising you hallelujah we know that you brought us this far and we're gonna die praising you if that's what it's coming to come on somebody somebody said well I don't know that's not much faith I'm gonna tell you what you, you, you know faith can praise God no matter what situation it's facing or where we might find ourselves we have got to learn to sing the song of the Lord's deliverance even in the midst of the times when the enemy's closing in and our backs are against the wall if they would have praised God it would have established a foundation see God was trying to build a foundation in their life and that praise would have established a foundation 
for a continued abiding faith in God. It would have given them a faith that was unshakable, that would have seen them through anything. And God's trying to get them to do that. He's bringing them to that place. God, listen. Does God know how you're going to react in a, in a difficult situation? Does he know? Yeah, he knows. But he wants you to see it. He wants you to know. Oh, hallelujah. How you're going to react. He was trying to build that foundation of faith in them, but they didn't sing. They complained. They talked against their pastor. Hallelujah. They didn't sing. They accused God of neglecting them. They accused God of deserting them. They accused God of bringing them here to destroy them. I know people say, well, Brother Rick, it's just human nature to worry when you face problems in life. And I agree, yeah, it is human nature to do that. That's true. But God still wants you and I to be free from worry and free from fear. Amen. He wants us to cast, Peter said, casting all of your care, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, all of your fears, casting all of that upon the Lord for he cares for you. Praise God. No matter what you're facing or how your back may be against the wall God's perspective look God sees things far differently than you and I see things God's perspective is different in ours he sees the situation differently than what we see it we see it and try to figure it out with our own natural mind but God knows the way he's going to deliver you he knows what he's going to do amen and it's hard for us to see that when our backs are against the wall but we have got to learn to praise the Lord even in the testing side of our experience in life. When, when the children of Israel were taken into Babylonian captivity, um, the, the people of God were captives there in Babylon. And they had been led there because they had been taken there because they just refused to repent and because of their, their disobedience to God. And, uh, but, but their captors, we find in Psalm 137 that the captors of Israel desired a song from them. And it's said in Psalm 137 that, that by, the, by the rivers, Psalm 137 verse, four, uh, verse 1 says, By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it for there those who carried us away captive asked, of us a song and those who plundered us requested mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion and here was their answer here was their response when their captors wanted them to sing they said how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land can I tell you something today Abundant Life Family Church that there are a lot of Christians that are in that very same place they're on the edge of giving up that's what happened here with Israel they 
they were so distraught and so discouraged by their captivity that they just sat down by the river and they took their harps, they took their musical instruments, they took those, those instruments of worship and praise and they hung their harps on the old weeping willow tree and they said, we can't sing the song of the Lord anymore. We're just going to hang up our harps and we're just going to stop singing. We can't sing the song of the Lord in a strange land. Listen, they had done the same thing that so many believers have done today. They had lost their song. They weren't able to sing in the time of testing. Those Babylonians said to them, come on, sing for us. Play for us. Show us your joy. We've heard about all that God has done for you. They wanted to see God's people with such such joy and victory and see the song of victory being sung by the people of God even in the darkest hour of their life but they didn't have a song they'd hung up their harps can I tell you something saints of God abundant life don't ever hang your harp up and stop singing don't ever stop praising don't ever let the devil rob your joy when your back's against the wall learn how to sing the song of victory on the testing side of the Red Sea cause God has got a miracle with your name on it begin to praise him today Woo! hallelujah that's what he's calling us to do that's his will for our life do you believe that today God gave them four great deliverances. and I'm, I'm, I'm closing out here. I'll let you go home so you can rest up for tonight. God gave them four great deliverances as we read through the book of Exodus and Numbers. And the Bible says, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, I believe it was, that the things which happened to Israel are examples to us. We're to learn from their mistakes and from their victories. God speaking to us through them today. They're examples for us. And God gave them four great deliverances. There was the deliverance from the Red Sea. You read on there in chapter 15 of Exodus, there was the healing of the bitter waters that they came to at Myra. There was the manna and the quails. They complained then. They complained at the Red Sea. They complained at Myra. They complained because of the manna and the quails. And then there was the miracle of the rock, the water coming from the rock. They'd complained there. They never learned in all the things that God brought them through. And remember what I said, that God was trying to establish faith in their hearts. He was trying to teach them that they could trust him. He was trying to teach them that he would come through. And they never learned the lesson. They never learned to praise God on the testing time. And you know what? Because they didn't learn that lesson, it eventually cost them the promised land. Are you with me? Every one of that generation, not one of, well, two of them, 
out of that whole generation got to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. You all know that story, don't you? Moses had sent those spies out. They got over there and they spied out the land for 40 days. The 12 spies came back and they began to give their report to the people, to Moses and the people. And they said, yeah, man, that's a good land over there. Woo, they brought back a cluster of grapes, took two of them to carry it on a pole. Man, that's some grapes. Huh? They don't have none of them like that at Charlie and Crystals. Is that their name, Rich and Crystals? <laughs> they got some big strawberries over there, but they ain't got no grapes. You got to carry on a pole, man. I mean, this was, this was, the, this was the, the land that flows with milk and honey. And they said, yeah, man, it's awesome over there. This is the fruit of it. God, that's what God said we could have. But too bad. We can't get it. We can't have it. And they said, what do you mean we can't have it? Why? We saw the children of Anak over there. There's giants. There's some big dudes over in that land. There's some guys nine, ten foot tall, the children of Anak. Hallelujah, we can't, we can't fight them. Why? We're, we, were, we looked like grasshoppers up against them. We were grasshoppers in their sight. And then here's what they said. We were grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, they saw themselves as an old little grasshopper. I'm not, let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've got the Word of God on the inside of you, you ain't no little grasshopper. Come on, somebody. Ain't no giant can stand in your way. If God's promised you the land, you can take the land because he's on your side. Hallelujah. They said, we can't do it. The two guys, Joshua and Caleb, stood up and said, oh, hush. No, listen, because everybody, listen, doubt and discouragement and fear and all that is contagious, very contagious. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, no, don't listen to these guys. Yeah, there are giants over there. But we can take them. The Lord is on our side. Hallelujah. Their defense is departed from them. And God is with us. And God is on our side. Here's two guys that got what the Lord had tried to been trying to teach them from the Red Sea till then. That you need to learn how to talk about your big God and the power of God and to praise God when you're facing the testing side. And then God can do great things in your life. They got it. Joshua and Caleb got it. The rest of them didn't get it. And they said, no, we can't do it. The Bible said that they made that report and they said, we're not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we are. And it said that they brought up an evil report. That negative, doubtful, complaining report was a negative report. It was an evil report of the land that they brought to the people. And when they begin to say those things, well, the walled cities are there and there's no way in and it's useless and it's hopeless and there's no way for us to even try. There's no reason to try. We can't do it. When they begin to say those things, that talk came right out of the pit of hell. It's quiet in this 
Pentecostal church today. But it did. That wasn't faith talking. That wasn't, that wasn't victory talking. Well, why should they have said? Why, what made the report of Joshua and Caleb a true report was they were just reporting what God had already said to them. No, God said we can have the land. God promised it to us. We can defeat them because God said so. If they didn't have a promise to back up what they were believing, well, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't amounted to anything. But they had the promise. And the rest of those spies convinced the rest of the people there that, that they couldn't overtake the land. They couldn't go in. And because of that unbelief, because, listen to me, because when their backs were against the wall, they refused to sing and praise on the testing side of Jericho. That whole group that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness and never went into the promised land because of unbelief. Hebrews said it was because of unbelief. Only two made it in 40 years later. Joshua and Caleb. How many want to go into the victory side? How many want to cross over to the victory side today? Come on, amen. Give the Lord a praise. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. So let's, let's sing the song of victory on this side of Jericho. And then God taught them how 40 years later when they finally crossed over the Jordan River. How did, they def how did they overcome? What brought the walls down? What brought the walls down of Jericho? They marched. They did a Jericho march. Come on. Amen. They did a Jericho march. And they marched around the walls once a day for six days. Marched around seven times on the seventh day. And the times they were, what they were doing. And then God said, listen. God said to them on that seventh day, march seven times. And on the seventh time what he say to do shout for the Lord has given you the city it's time to shout well the walls are still standing it's time to shout well my back's against the wall in the Red Sea it's time to shout well I don't know what I'm going to do it's time to shout and sing the Lord's song hallelujah God will give us the victory well come on and give him praise today. Woo! Hallelujah. Worship team, come on. Let's sing something. You want to stand with me this, this morning? Oh, hallelujah. I feel, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. This. Woo! Come on, lift your hands, would you? Let's begin to sing the victory song today. Your praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, my back may be up against the wall. And I don't know what to do. But right now I'm going to make it by faith whether I feel like it.